What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Hitting the High Notes, Utah Jazz Talk. It is I, Who Tran, Who Tran Superman on the Twitter, Twitterverse. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're talking jazz. Uh, you know, even with COVID-19 coming, even though we haven't had games in over a month, we have no idea when the NBA is coming back. We still have enough jazz drama to talk about it. So, of course, I brought on Mr. Jared Barker. Go to this is 49. Nice. What's up, man? Not much. Um, actually. You know, quarantine's kind of getting to me. I, I actually thought that this recording was, I thought it was Wednesday yesterday and messaged yeah. all you guys. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> we, John and I are just are trying slipping. To, we're trying to enjoy our Tuesday night. Jared's hassling us, trying to get a recording going, hey guys, are, are we going to go? I'm like, no, man. It's Wednesday. It's, it's Tuesday. Well, I, I, I thought myself, I go, wait a minute. Today's Tuesday, right? Because, I mean, really, with None of, yeah, so yeah, none of us were 100% sure what day it was until we looked at the calendar. Oh, it's, it's hard to keep track. And I, and I was like, I just want to make sure I wasn't mistaken going, oh, my God, I'm late for this recording. But, yeah. Um, uh, but you you heard us talk about him. Mr. John Kuhn. What's up, man? Uh, life is going as well as you can expect in quarantine. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> no sports, weird. just lots of yeah, free time seems- to write. Things must be crazy for you because you're yeah, used right. to you're used to covering just about anything and everything sports wise. So like it's got to be yeah. This this feels weird to me. It yeah, really so, feels weird. Uh, you're, you're a journalist with them. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm just looking at his bio on Twitter. You can find him at John Coon Sports, um, uh, AP Sports, Athlon Sports. Uh, didn't you? And you used to write for uh, the Jazz um, uh, for the Des News or the Trib or. Yeah, I, I actually started my journalism career at the Salt Lake Tribune. I spent two and a half years there, and then I moved over to the Desert News and spent three and a half years there. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm a well-renowned journalist and also soon-to-be well-renowned um, uh, best-selling author, author, Arthur, author. Um, uh, um, uh, <laughs> uh, he just, uh, I found it right before we recorded the call that I'm a... Brown Aardvark. Yeah, I'm, uh, uh, John Kuhn, I'm uh, releasing a short story on Amazon today. Yes, uh, it's called In Hell's Shadow. It's a ghost story for people who like ghost stories. About 30 pages long. It's really quick read. I encourage everybody to go check it out. Is this, it's like, is this in the same vein of, as, as like scary stories to tell in the dark? Or like or, or what kind of uh, ghost stories are you talking about here? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's just kind of like that spooky, atmospheric, you know, campfire tale type story. All right, cool, cool. Well, yeah, I'm excited there. Um, again, it's on Amazon. Um, uh, I, hopefully, Jared will remind me when we tweet this out to tweet that Amazon link out for you folks as well, so you can um, uh, go and look at it. So, uh, yeah, we, like, we talked about it, and uh, you touched on it. How in quarantine, we're all just trying to figure out things to do. Uh, I'm creating quarantine games to play with my friends. Like um, we, like right before this, I just held a pub quiz. Uh, for my friends, uh, if you've never done a pub quiz, like you go to a, you know, what you usually do is go to a bar. They ask you a bunch of questions. You and your teammates try to find the answers and you bring it up to them. We did it over Zoom. And so, yeah, it was just we're just trying to find things to do, you know. And um, now, did you reg it to make sure that you won the pop quizzes or I, I was the host. Were they on the level? Yeah, I, I was. I, well, so here's what I told them. I said, hey. You know, I can't stop you from cheating. If you want to cheat, that's on you. I haven't been to church in a while, but I believe if you cheat, <laughs> if you cheat, God will bring um, uh, fires, earthquakes, and plague upon the earth. So be careful not to cheat. 
Because you don't. Well, he's he's taking care of two of the three in Utah so far. (laughs) So don't cheat. Yeah. Oh, so it's it's your friends that are doing those quizzes. It's their fault that we're getting these earthquakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stupid friends. Who needs them? They must be hanging out in Magna. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, really feeling it. So, uh, John, you're writing a lot. You said, um, uh, well, you alluded to that you're writing and doing. Is that what you're? Is that how you're handling this uh, self isolation quarantine time? Yeah, um, it's it's the best way to handle it. I mean, you can sit and mope and think, gosh, there's no games to watch, or you can use your imagination and think of new things to entertain yourself. And I, I choose to do the latter. Right. Uh, as I as I told my friends, I'm like, oh, hey, quarantine for me since I can't work. Um, uh, uh, I have been a little bit more creative. Like my friend asked me to put up this pub quiz, and I got it done within a day, maybe. So I was like, oh, sweet, you know. And I was like, all right, it, it was That's not as hard as I thought is going to be and maybe it's just because i do have lots of time now that i'm like oh yeah i do have time for this like before i would say i'm too tired from whatever and now i do now i, have to, I am sad though because it rained today in utah and this softball season for me like i would usually be out having softball games at night and i would be sad usually like oh our game's gonna rain out i can't play today i can't even be sad because our games are canceled can't even be canceled for rain out so it's it's, it's, it's sad you know <laughs> Uh, you know, it makes well, me wonder though. Like playing softball, like you're all far away from each other. But if you all had hand sanitizer, could you theoretically still play? <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, theoretically, yes. Like right? you, you, every six as, feet. As away. long as you slather it on the ball. Yeah, you just yeah. can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't. But you can't slide into anybody. And um, yeah, there, there are no tags. Like um, if you get a hit, you're going home. They can't tag you. Go home. <laughs> um, uh, Jared, Jared I, I see you're keeping busy. Um, uh, um, you you got a new job, I hear. Yeah, that's correct. That's yeah, correct. so is um, uh, like, do I need to drop people's like, do we, do we need to promote your OnlyFans account on here now or what? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. It's still the only OnlyFans we are promoting is the is the DJ Honeypaws slash whatever. That's, that's a that's, um, that's Sasquatch Sports. That's a different <laughs> podcaster. All right. Let's uh, we we we've BSed long enough. Let's say let's um uh, let's move into it because there has been some you know ironically there's been jazz drama. The jazz haven't played in a month, and how do we have jazz drama still? Um, uh, there's this there there's still this talk. There's this riff, um, uh, that was brought up. The the athletic put out a story with Shams and Tony and everybody, uh, about um, and it just it's one of the things that like you kind of have to read the whole story. And then yeah. a lot of people are really focusing on some small things. What is it with these things always dropping like the day after we record too? Like, I know it's like, it's like maybe, <laughs> maybe we should just record more often. Like I don't know why we're not. Like we could. Like we. I was See, like, oh yeah. In, in the <laughs> journalism business, we call it the Friday afternoon news dump. Where yeah. Uh, when you yeah. want to bury something, you throw it out on Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. And, and and honestly, for me, like. The day that stuff like that, the day that that stuff dropped, I I was like, you know what, Twitter off. I'm not gonna deal with this today because, really, for me, I I, I want to give it 48 hours before I before I say anything. You know, um, I, I don't always follow that rule. Like when when Woj came out and used the word carelessly with Rudy, I was like, ah, this is what awful awful wording of a tweet. Blah 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 blah. And here we are, what a month later from that. And I have new information. We all have new information, and it makes me think. Okay, let's let's reevaluate things that we well, we thought we knew a month ago 
to what well, we know now. Thank goodness we have new information because forever it was just going, let's reword and rehash the stuff that's already been said. Da 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 da. Everybody's and, still and, fighting about that. And that's oh, the man. problem, right? Is that number one, the jazz, the jazz MO forever has been silence is key. Yeah. Silence uh, it speaks louder than I don't, a lot of things. I don't think it's doing them any favors. And with the, I think their PR team will leave something to be desired during this process. Like, you usually want to get out in front of something or you want to you want to have the air of having somebody's back or they made like one statement about Rudy and then all this crap comes out and like like their guy just keeps getting hammered and hammered and hammered and I don't know it's it's it, you have to ask yourself though what exactly are they going to say unless they put out a joint statement with like Donovan Mitchell or something and and at that point you know Rudy and Donovan were still fighting so uh, well, I mean, and, and one, Duncan, one focus that the jazz PR really needs to, you know, needs to make their one thing they need to make their focus uh, when the season picks up again is they need to uh, extend an olive branch to Rudy Gobert. I mean, they they basically hung him out to dry. You know, well, the whole world blamed him for, you know, testing positive for the coronavirus, shutting down the NBA. Yeah. Even though there's no yeah. real hard evidence that he was the first NBA player to actually have it, he right. was the first one to test positive for it, right. which so, is a key difference. Yeah, and I think um, uh, fans are really upset because it feels like the players, it feels like the Jazz have um, uh, not have not have not done that, have not had quote unquote Rudy's back right. And I get that, I see that, but being a Jazz fan for what twenty ish you know, 20 plus years now, I have become to notice that the jazz have are very quiet on many things. And the jazz, I'm a, don't put a lot of stuff out. John, you, you worked sort of with the jazz, right? Like cover, you covered the jazz a little bit. I, I've, I've been a beat writer covering the jazz for the AP for at least a couple of years. Right. And so for you've been years in, before that. I, w- I was with another media outlet. Yeah. You, you've been in the system, you know, like, so, I mean, is this surprising to you that the jazz, like the organization has been quiet and maybe just maybe have kind of told their players, staff and everybody, Hey, let's not tweet out anything or talk about anything. You know, let's not give people information that they don't need. Well, I mean, certainly with the jazz, their, their MO traditionally has been to keep a tight ship to, to not play things out in the media or on social media. And and it works for them for the for the most part. I mean, it's it's a good policy. Um, in this situation, I think it would benefit them to at least get out and say something publicly, like, "Hey, we support Rudy. Donovan and Rudy are both important to the success of our franchise. You know, we we value both players. We support both players. You know, nothing to see here, basically." Because their their policy of, of just remaining silent, which works in most situations, is only allowed things to kind of grow and fester in a highly unusual situation. The thing about the, the rift between, you know, Rudy and Donovan that's kind of played out over social media is if 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 this were something that happened during the regular season, say you know, one of them got the flu bug from the other. There might be hurt feelings for a day or two, but it'd blow over. 
because they'd be playing games, they'd be practicing, they'd be, you know, in, in kind of the thick of their job. I mean, it's it's just kind of the unique circumstances of, of having everything shut down with the coronavirus where something that would be kind of a small tiff in the grand scheme of things, it really is a small tiff in the grand scheme of things anyway, is allowed to fester and, and burgeon into something that's just larger than life to bored fans sitting around on social media. Yeah, right. I, I definitely have to yeah. agree with you. I mean, if this had happened any other time or something, you know, jazz, jazz are typically going to be back page, but there's nothing happening. So, of course, people are going to latch onto any NBA news they can. NBA fans are going to yeah, it sucks. into that. It sucks that nationally – um, everybody's blamed Rudy, and I, but here's the thing: I don't know if even the Jazz have come out and, and defend their own player and everything. And uh, I mean, it's just it's just bad luck. Rudy Gobert was just going to get the brunt of it, almost regardless. Like, you know, we we, we can talk as oh, Jazz he's not well liked by fans, and it, yeah. it, it's, it's just just he was he was in their eyes patient zero. He's the one that was the first tested, and that comes with certain. Um, uh, uh, not responsibility, but certain um, uh, uh, disadvantages that you're just not going to get rid of. Like, yeah, stick this is bad. And I don't know, like, and it sucks that we'll tweet out carelessly, but, you know, with the information that we have now that, you know, Quinn Snyder was very careful, Mike Conley was talked about being very careful, Rudy being a jokester, maybe he took something a little too far. And, um, I mean, honestly, we talked about how really a month ago, some of us were still joking about it. Some of us were, were, we're taking it nearly as seriously as we are right now. And hindsight's twenty twenty, and he, you know, he's obviously apologized, but you know, it, it's sort of like, this reminds me of the call Gale situation. You know, we've heard the jokes. We know Jimbo Rudding's on there always saying to Gordon, call Gale. And Jared and I have each, Heard from uh, a well-respected person that we know saying that 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 is complete BS. Gordon and Hayward has talked to Gail Miller and all that stuff. It's just, but again, it's something that's out there, and since most of Twitterverse doesn't know about it, we all assume that Gordon Hayward hasn't. Uh, he was talked. on the. You you could have dropped his name. That was like legitimately recorded on the podcast. I, I don't remember what we talked about. I, I'm not gonna. I don't drop names because I don't remember what we talked. About. But anyway, yeah, uh, we talked. Maybe it's on one of our old episodes. But that Gordon, that Gordon Hayward stuff's overblown. And maybe this right here, this Donovan Rudy Tiff, has been overblown because we don't know the whole story. We we really don't. And so we, the Twitter people, the the Jazz fans, are making up a lot of situations because we're scared. But Rudy's, you know, he's he's doing Twitch streams. He's doing uh, Instagram lives, and he seems pretty fine with it. But you know, every like we we, we latch on because we need so much news, you know, and we hear, oh man, um, uh, Rudy is pissed or at, at the Jazz. Donovan's pissed at Rudy, and really, well, honestly, if they we, are, they they're hiding it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, this has caused yeah. Jazz to. Well, this is what I said. I said to people, it's like, well, I mean, at least they're not they're not throwing shade at each other through the media. And people are like, what are you talking about? Of course they are. Can't you see this is how this all started? And I'm like, whatever. If they yeah. were really starting to throw crap at each other through the media, then then you would see a heck of a lot more than Can, what we're being told. Yeah. Do I believe now that there is some tension between Rudy and Donovan? Yeah. You know what? I can see it. I've, there are signs. 
is it something that I think were is going to? Were you guys up? able to watch the Taylor Rooks uh, interview with Rudy on IG Live? I saw, I saw, yes, the, I saw the clip. Oh, that was pretty important, but I didn't, you know, I didn't see the whole thing. But again, it's, it's stuff that I didn't, I didn't need to see that to be like to to feel less worried about. I, I wasn't super worried at all. Like oh, people yeah. are, are they're planting flags on Team Rudy or Team Donovan when in reality this, you know, as soon as they start ba- playing basketball, this very well. I think this has just as high of a chance of blowing over as it is of blowing up. So yeah, I, I mean, totally agree with that. I, w- I would actually say it has a better chance of blowing over. I, I mean, the, the idea that, you know, and I, I know that the one source in the athletic article said uh, that it wasn't salvageable, but uh, yeah, I've but been even, around but even Tony and said Donovan too much to believe that. Right. I, I agree. And I, yeah, I would totally I mean, trust your opinion over somebody who's not willing to name themselves. Like, and, and the funny thing is, yeah, the people, the architects of that article said that, this is a quote from a source, but we believe that, you know, Tony's like, I'm close to the situation and I feel like, you know, it could go blow over. And then people started coming at him and be like, and they were like, well, in the Kawhi situation. And I'm like, the Kawhi situation was completely different. That's apples <laughs> and, and oranges. Yeah. I'm like, that is not the same thing. And, and this, it I, just mean, has, I thought it's... it was hilarious when, when Knicks fans started having, hope that Donovan was was going to come to New York because he's going to force his way out of Utah. And I'm like, what kind of trade package do you guys think you can put together? Because Donovan can't just leave. He's a, he's going to be a restricted free agent. And, and that's and, not even until... Well, I mean, I, 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 I get that's, there's so, so much nuance to that that I don't even think it's worth getting into. Yeah, um, I agree. Well, and, and honestly, the trade scenarios are the, the I was seeing them pop up on social media. At the, in the days after this athletic article, and they're ridiculous to be honest. Right. So <laughs> I mean, right. the Jazz are get well, the Jazz would do that as the absolute yeah last apocalyptic resort. And this is why yeah, I reluctant to get into. I, I love fake trades. I'm reluctant to get into it now because. Let's say Doomsday had happened, and one of these guys are forcing their way out, pushing a hand that they don't even have. They don't even have the cards to push the hand, but let's say they try to. Like the Jazz could still get close, like 90 to 85, 85 cents to 90 cents on the dollar for some of these guys. I, I know Rudy Gobert is on a one year contract. Donovan Mitchell's on his still rookie contract was still an extension that could be signed. Like these guys yeah. still have that. Like I know it's uh, Rudy Gobert. It's not a guy like Kawhi who's like, okay, I'm gonna go there one year, but I really have my sight set on going to LA. Yeah. Or to be, that's whatever. exactly. Right. I so, don't think Rudy's yeah a force his way to a certain destination type. Like of player. If, if Rudy were to get traded somewhere, I think a team yeah. could feel very confident that they could um, uh, convince him to sign a longer contract there. And again, this is. I don't, I don't. I really hate talking about it right now because it's so stupid in my opinion. But well, and, and the other thing to consider too is that Rudy and Donovan are for the most part happy in Utah. They're happy being right. with the Jazz. They like the community. They like the fans. They're not itching to leave. And, and for because of that, if, if there is a little bit of drama behind the scenes, it's easier to work it out and smooth it over versus they're just looking for a way to get out the door and, oh, well, this is a good excuse. And I blame, I blame Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward has really hurt this fan base so much that oh, 
years and years. You, you to can heal. see it in these talks, man. You could see it. Like the betrayal, like like the betrayal it's that like people like a crazy PTSD. Because <laughs> I just think everybody wants to leave now. Like yeah, people put some Hayward disorder, man. People just thought Hayward was staying for sure. For sure, thought he was staying. And then when he broke up with the Jazz, like it just crushed so many Jazz. I mean, it happened on oh, the fourth dude. of July. I was 50-50 on it, and I told my friend, I told my friend Tanner, uh, Tanner Martin, who we talked to on the pod, I was like, he's like, I'm, I'm thinking about buying a Hayward jersey. I'm like, man, I'm 50-50 on if he's staying or not. And he bought it anyways, and he, then he turned it into Joe, a Joe Ingles jersey with some duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, God, I just, it, it's, I see it almost everywhere now. Just like I, I told the story before. When I would wear my Donovan jersey after his rookie year, I'd be walking on the street. People would be like, man, sick jersey. Do you think he's leaving? I'm like, guys, this is his, this is his first year in the Dude, league. I'm That's coining the term. I'm coining now. the term PhD now. Post Hayward disorder. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like we're gonna repurpose that for jazz fans. Hayward hurt this this fan base so bad. Oh, anyway. Especially if you tweeted, John. Heck yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did. Uh, I did coin a nickname for uh, Rodney Hood when he was here. Oh, nice. Which one was that? Rodney Hood, Prince of Threes. The Prince. Oh, oh yeah. that's right. You were we the author of Prince of Threes. That's awesome. Oh. I remember Jimbo Redding saying it all the time, and people were like, "Jimbo came up with that." And I'm like, "Did he though?" <laughs> no, he he took it from me. Jimbo stole it from me. Yeah, stop, stop. Uh, I believe that. I believe it. <laughs> um, uh, so you know, let, let's again, you know, moving past the Hayward Gorbera drama, which I do very easily, by the way, jazz fans. I'm sorry, like basically, my life is Rudy Gobert's. We will be fine. Tweet, right? We will be fine. You know, if it turns into me being the dog in the fire, we will be fine. I'm okay with that too. I have accepted the fact that things can go south. There is a chance of that. It's in my. It's in my mind. But for the most part, I live my life in the 95% chance that the Jazz are going to be fine. So. Um, uh, speaking of uh, fine jazz men, you know, Trevor Booker at 35 Fits announces his retirement this week, which was uh, number one, like just this like three weeks ago. No, not three weeks ago. Uh, two months ago, um, uh, people were like, oh, mate, maybe Trevor Booker can come back to the Jazz. And this is probably a reason why Trevor Booker didn't come back to the Jazz is that he was not ready to come back. He's, you know, he's ready to retire. Like he was closer to retirement than being in NBA shape. And this happens, it happens every bio market, every like, you know, when Tony Bradley was struggling, Ed Davis was struggling. Go get, go get Joe Kipnola. Go get. This is a perfect example about how some of these guys who are not in the league are probably not in the league for a reason. You know, like well, Joe, Joe Kim's now in the league again, though. Now, but like uh, again, well, like, he's barely in the league. But yeah, yeah, he's the Clippers' he's like fourth be, big or something. Yeah, he's gonna be the the fourteenth man on the bench. You know, emergency backup center if if um uh, everybody fouls out. For the Jazz, he would have to play. Well, I also think he'd probably match up specific type thing. Like, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even. You, I, you I think at yeah, Davis rode the bench, you get Joakim Noah <laughs> in on the Jazz roster. You're not wrong. <laughs> you you <laughs> haven't begun to see the DMP CDs. Yeah. I mean, look at Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson was the guy that was tearing it up in the big three. And people were like, oh, my God, this guy can still play. 
Well, he... well, to be fair to, to Joachim, like, I mean, because he is French and his dad is a famous tennis player. To be fair to Joachim, <laughs> he, he doesn't really accept his Frenchness, though. He's like, uh, he's like, he thinks he's American, like, or something. I don't know what the deal is. Um, well, his, his dad was the... a, a tennis star back in the day, and so he actually lived in Florida more than he did in France, so... Oh. Oh, okay, there we I go. Because I, a lot of the major tennis stars actually move, live in Florida because they can train there year-round and everything. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And, it, well, it's kind of a, a midway, a midpoint between a lot of different locations. Like, if you're going to have to go to Australia for the Open, being so, in Florida rather than being in France is probably a little bit more right. convenient. And so I am... I compare like Trevor Booker's the situations to Jamal Crawford, Joe Johnson, guys who have just been out of the league that people are like, okay, these guys can come back, and I think they can come back, but like they cannot be your 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 sixth man. They're not going to be. Well, you got to think about player like with they Noah, might... like he was he was a very high level player at one point, and now he's going to be a lower level player, right? Well, with Trevor, like. You got to think that you, if you think about the same like diminishing returns, he was in the he was you know towards the lower end. He was de- definitely a, a like a third big type guy. So now is he even going to be a fourth big? I don't know. And so I guess that brings me to um, uh, this tweet that um, uh, let me pull it up here. Uh, so with Trevor Booker retiring, a lot of Jazz fans were were very happy for um, uh, uh, Trevor Booker. Ben Anderson, Ben at Ben Hoop, Ben's Hoops, uh, contributor for KSL. Nice guy. I've never actually met Ben Anderson as uh, when I worked at KSL, but um, uh, I do enjoy some of his articles. But he did, he wrote this uh, tweet out, and it sounds mean, but I don't think he's trying to be mean. But he goes, in light of Trevor Booker announcing his retirement, I want to ask, why do Jazz fans feel such a strong connection to the forward? He was on two of the more mediocre non-playoff Jazz teams and started seven total game. What's the deal? What's the deal with airline peanuts? Um, <laughs> so Ben Anderson does bring up a very good talking point, which I think is, is not great to convey in 280 characters on Twitter. Yeah, but Ben, ben has a history of coming off like this, though. So you, I wouldn't for, let him slide too, too much. <laughs> for, this, for, this, for this medium, for, the, for a podcast, I think it's a great place to talk about it. So why do jazz fans, I'm a real, I'm a, Enjoy um, uh, what Trevor Booker bring, uh, brought. John Kuhn, what do you think? Well, Trevor Booker embodies kind of the DNA that Jazz fans see within the franchise as a whole. He's yeah. just this hardworking yeah, underdog. Um, Maybe yeah. not the most talented guy, but he makes up with it for effort. He, and he really connected with the fans because of that. They, they, they kind of love that junkyard. You know, yeah, just DeMar put, Carroll, give 100% effort. Less skill. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you see, oh. that's the same reason why Jay Crowder was so popular when he was there. That's kind Agreed. of the same reason why Joe Ingles is so popular. It's just, it's that mentality of I'm going to outwork you, I'm going to out, outdo you. Maybe I don't have all the physical gifts that the opponent has, but I'm going to make up for it in other ways. And and I'm going to find a way to be on the court and make an impact while I'm on the court. And, um, uh, and yeah, he brought that energy off the bench. And um, uh, I see it. Joe, why, I mean, do you have anything to add about um, uh, Trevor Booker's tenure in Utah? Uh, what makes him so beloved? Just that I think that I think John is kind of hitting it, 
hitting it pretty pretty well. I mean, the way the jazz fans look at stuff, they just they love people who just they can look at it and be like, that guy works. You know, he he he's a hard worker. He shows up. He he puts his his nose to the grindstone and he just goes. And you know, I mean, fans of this fan base are just so used to that. With we had two Hall of Famers that did that all the time, but you're not always going to have that in a Hall of Fame level talent player just check out some of the stuff that came out about ben simmons this week sheesh um and uh yeah i think that that's kind of the main thing is that people love it when they see a guy that just embodies like blue chip you know and utah loves to you know to loves to think that you know it's the beehive state it's a worker state it's they love we love to lean on that and just like that's our history yeah. And I, th- I think it just resonates with people here. As as Jared was saying, um, uh, John had, was hitting it, uh, h- hitting it on the head, or as I would say, he's uh, he was hitting the high note, uh, so to yeah. speak. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I'll, I'll add this about Trevor. So Trevor Booker has always been very nice to Utah. Like I mean, he still tweets out about the Jazz, and and it's one oh, of those yeah. things. Oh yeah, and like, he has a good relationship with Rudy. He had a good relationship with all those guys. If you're nice to Utah, Utah will be nice to you. That's basically what it comes down to, I think. Like I'm um, uh, Utah Jazz fans, I'm uh, always feels. I mean, people have left here and oh, man. left ways. I never even where, thought about that. Jay was the same way. Uh, yeah, oh, if, if you cite the Jazz on your way out, um, uh, and I, I don't just mean Ennis Cantor. I mean like guys like Shannon Anderson no. who just left, you know, stuff like that. Like, like, like Gordon you, Hayward on the way yeah. out. He's like, thank you, Utah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, I mean, and Gordon Hayward, but like some guys like just like, I mean, Ennis obviously left on pretty bad terms. Darren left and people hated that. And if you leave on bad terms, um, uh, it, it, it just makes people perceive that Utah is fighting off these, the stigma of that nobody wants to be in Utah. So, Edge Miller allowed Derek Fisher to get out of a contract, and people hated that. Like, and I'm, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that, like, if you're nice to Utah, Utah will be nice to you. So, all right, well, that's very true. Yeah, um, uh, you know what? We're gonna c- come back. We're gonna talk a little bit more about John Kuhn, his history. Uh, we'll talk about um, uh, books that he's making and stuff like that. Also, I would really like to um, uh, get into some more retro jazz. We're gonna talk about the 2004, 2005 jazz team. Very fun. So uh, stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this episode. Also, thanks to our Utah sponsors, the Off Broadway Theater in downtown Salt Lake, and the Great Room Escape in Layton, Utah. If you have a second, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. It helps us podcast out, and we will enter all written five-star reviews into a drawing for free tickets to either the Off-Broadway Theater or the Great Room Escape. Just write a five-star review, and you'll be entered to win. Welcome back to Hitting the High Notes, Utah Jazz folks. Uh, Utah Jazz Talk. Sorry, folks. Um, uh, I'm here with John Kuhn at John Kuhn Sports, um, a former Trib and Des News beat writer for Utah Jazz, now writes for uh, freelance journalists for AP Sports uh, and Athlon Sports, excuse me. And so, um, uh, John, um, uh, how did you uh, get started writing about the Utah Jazz? Well, I, I kind of worked my way up in the journalism world. Uh, when I was at the Salt Lake Tribune, I was on the scoreboard staff there. Then I became a high school sports reporter, 
went over the Deseret News, covered high school sports and college sports and RSL there. And then when I moved over into freelancing in 2011, I, I started picking up gigs covering the jazz for various media outlets. And I, I became the jazz beat writer for Reuters Sports Exchange about 2015-ish. That's about four or five years ago. Um, spent a couple of years writing for them. And then when Kareem Copeland left for the Washington Post, I took over his duties at the Associated Press, and, and I've been handling the jazz ever since. Ah, the brand new Kareem in the in the in the area. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, man, Kareem, Kareem was fun too. Yeah, I, actually, I worked with his wife at KSL. She was a true oh, nice Brittany. Yep. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I'm uh, cool. Yeah, that's good. So did you grow up as a Utah Jazz fan? You know, a lot. I don't make this very widely known on social media for obvious reasons, but I grew up a Chicago Bulls fan. Oh, ah. yeah, that is pretty obvious reasons. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, so it is funny when people la- will accuse me of being like a jazz homer every so often because <laughs> I'm like, well, I didn't actually root for the jazz growing yeah. up, but okay. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think. Uh, Again, this is a, a Utah. That was the Tony too. That's so funny. Hey, everybody just assumes that hey, your dream job is to write for your hometown sports team, and it actually, it doesn't always really happen that way. It happens, but a lot of times you're covering sports teams of just who, where you live, or the market that hires you. Like you know, you might just get. I mean, we talked to uh, Sarah Todd. She's someone who's from the Bay Area that's moved West Coast, East Coast, now here to the West. Um, uh, you just kind of cover who you cover. Yeah, well, just loves hoops. Like she's that, a hoops that's addict. that's the thing. It's like once you get into the business, you're really not a fan of any team anymore because you you can't be if if you want to do your job effectively. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you have I'm, to draw a line between being a fan and being a journalist, and and the, being a journalist requires you to report on stories that might, as a fan, you'd find uncomfortable. Right. Yeah, and Jared, I'm, uh, Jared brought this to my attention recently like this podcast has reached uh the year anniversary a couple weeks ago we we hit our year anniversary and um uh ever since the uh podcast has started i found that yeah like um sometimes i'm just like you know what when the jazz have crushing losses or they go through spells it doesn't bother me that much as it used to and maybe it's because i i do this now maybe something else i don't know so um and well, honestly, is, when when you, you work as a journalist, is, is what your is what your tagline is. Oh, no. jazz can't hurt me anymore. I'm dead inside. <laughs> They're not too, so. I was gonna say honestly, when you work as a journalist long enough, you get to know like coaches and players and everything from from kind of a different perspective than you you would see them as a fan, and so mm. that kind of influences how you look at different teams, how you look at different athletes, how you look at different coaches. Like people will actually get shocked with me when I, they say, Oh, I hate so-and-so they're so arrogant. And I'm like, well, I've talked to them a few times. They're actually a pretty cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, really? (laughs) Like they don't, they don't believe me. (laughs) That's kind of what like opened my, well, I don't know. I didn't really, I don't, I wouldn't say I like, hated LeBron or anything, but I just, I didn't have a ton of respect for him. 
And then, you know, then they won the championship and I felt like, wow, he really put in the work and he, and I feel like I really started feeling a little bit more towards him, you know, that I respected him then. And then I had lunch with Jody, um, randomly, uh, a while back. And he was, he just talking to me about how, you know, down to earth and cool, you know, with the media LeBron was. And he's like, he's a really nice guy. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah. and it was kind well, of LeBron, funny. As long as you ask him, I mean, if you ask him a stupid question, he's, he might get a little ticked off at you, but I mean, as long as you ask intelligent questions and you just do your job, yeah. he, he's fine. I mean, Kobe was, was good to interact with. Um, I mean, several different ones out there. They're just, they're fine. Yeah. I have no for- with them whatsoever. And there are people out there, I hope, if you're listening to this podcast and, like, maybe if you have aspirations or somebody you know has aspirations to get into being a journalist, being in the sports market, working with sports, you know, it's one of those, you do have to pay your dues. Like John talked about, you know, cover high school sports. That's what I do for KSL. When they when they have me on call, I cover mostly high school sports. Uh, for a while, I covered Weber State sports, which was, like, you know, kind of the, the low-tier um, uh, college sports beat but since i was close to the situation they sent me to weber state and i never i never really thought of it as an emotion or anything i i actually got uh, you know i saw joel born boy up close to personal for two years and went oh my god this guy has the nba tools and then he got drafted in the jazz and didn't, you know it, it maybe didn't work out in the long run but i got to see that growth you know and i would never have got that opportunity if i started if i didn't start you know doing weber state games high school games um, you know, I, yeah, I but see that's guys. Really cool. I mean, because you have that connection with with Ball and Boy, and 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 now that he's overseas and whatnot, like, yeah. if you still have it, are you still in touch with him? You could try to get get him on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did. I did. Yeah, I, I did run into him at a restaurant, and um, uh, my roommate, she was like, "Oh my god!" The, I, I was like, oh, "Those are Weber State players." I knew who they were, and she wanted to get a picture with one. So I was like, "Hey, Joel, can she get a picture?" And yeah, she lost that picture, which is which is sad, but oh, uh, that is sad. Yeah. Well, um, uh, let's get back to um, uh, talking jazz here. So as you know, we're, we're making up content because we're trying to, you know, f- fill the time for, with them, uh, COVID-19 uh, and trying to figure out, I mean, the president has talked about getting a bunch of leaders together to figure out how they're going to play basketball. Like maybe they'll, uh, maybe they'll play without fans. Maybe they'll do something. They don't know yet. I, w- I was kind of sad that my Vince McMahon joke didn't hit. Like I, I grabbed a gif of, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the fact that he's on that conference call to me is kind of funny. So I grabbed one of those gifs of him walking down the ramp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am. Uh, anyway, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, uh, like KSL is doing this. They're going through archives, looking at old videos, and it was fun for me to like rethink about old teams so last week we talked about the 0304 team one of my favorite teams they went 42 and 40 stockton and malone had just retired everybody thought this team was gonna just bomb but andre carolico led that team to a 42 40 carolico was all-star had the all-star year they um uh, uh they barely missed the playoffs to the nuggets and you know life's not bad like they, they missed on free agents who i thought well, that's our last week, right? right. And, and I'm uh, like, they, they had gone after Maggetti and t- uh, Jason Terry, who I thought were not good fits for the Jazz. This year, this offseason, or the 2004 uh, 5 offseason, the Jazz um, uh, went after two guys. So, first of all, it was Memo Kerr, uh, a championship year with the Pistons, 
uh, as a really good backup, but um, a guy who played backup minutes hadn't been a starter yet. So the Jazz gave him a pretty good amount of money to, to leave the Pistons, which he did. Um, uh, and they also he yeah, and, and really good. So and, we were like, you heard this guy up, could play uh, a starter. I heard um, uh, Jared say the Jazz um, uh, not only took a chance on O'Kerr, but took a chance on Carlos Boozer. Powerful for the a guy who I, I remember hearing about that the Jazz wanted to draft. And I, I can't remember. If, I, I don't have any insight info or not. I think the Jazz wanted to draft him, but got snaked by the Cavaliers. Boozer, who, if no one knows the story, Boozer um, uh, had the Cavaliers turn down um, uh, his team option. Because they wanted to give him a bigger contract the next offseason. Yeah, However, for a longer period of time. And he promised he'd resign with them. Yes. And so um, uh, they, I guess they made some sort of, you know, under the Magic table. deal. Magic yeah. deal. So as soon as Boozer's um, uh, option was not picked up, the Jazz swooped in, offered him a really good deal for somebody who was making second round money to all of a sudden make, um, uh, you know, something like 12, what was it, four years, 48? You know, $12 million a year. <clears throat> I mean, that's a pretty good pay raise, and Carlos Boozer took it. Uh, John, could like him? Uh, were you were you covering the Jazz around that time? I, I I was familiar with them. I wasn't I wasn't actively covering them at that time. That that was just when I was starting into my journalism career. So, so was my story. Was there anything you, the, that you remember that's infactual about what I just said there, or was that a myth? Or what do you know about that that deal there? I I know that. Uh... He was public enemy number one with the Cavs for years and years and years after that. Yep. Because they felt like he had done them dirty. Well, you know what? I mean, I think everybody, even Jazz fans go, yeah, yeah, that's probably. He probably would have been the best player besides LeBron on that team. Really well, and, and the thing is, is he he kind of did set the Cavs back at the time because he he was on the rise and they lost that star the budding star next to LeBron. Like a the irony is, is Boozer came in that year, had a couple of hamstring injuries, played only fifty one games, and everybody's like, "Wow, we made a bad deal. <laughs> Can yep. we give it back to the Cavs?" That's the crap thing. That, that that Jazz team, I think they only won like twenty six games. They tanked, and they didn't tank on purpose. They just it just didn't work out. Like. Um, uh, one of their big free agent signings wasn't there half the year. Carlos Boozer got hurt. Memo Memo played fine. Memo was doing well, but um, and then it, Andre Karolinko, people forget, actually had a season any injury about halfway through the year as well. So it just mm, has, I mean, lost. They lost two of their power forwards. You know, Andre Karolinko, who just signed a I want to say that year signed the max deal to because um, uh, he had such a good year and it was the beginning of a seven year deal. That's probably true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was some. It was a crazy long deal. It was before they had they shortened the deals. Yeah, with CBA. I mean, and the thing is that like now, small market teams would love some longer team deal, longer term deals to keep their stars. But on yeah. the flip side, if you make the wrong choice, which you know we can go back and forth as Andre, Andre Kunkel's deal with bad or not, but yeah, like I'm a. Uh, it's the, just, it's. it's yeah. The thing I that stands out about that team deal. is they were actually just kind of basically a piece away from being a good team because yeah. that was before the year before Darren Williams got there. I, and so yep. I mean, you had Boozer, Karolinko, Harper, and Oker all on the roster. But yep. you also had a point guard rotation of 
Arroyo. Oh, yeah, Carlos so I Arroyo, Keith McLeod, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and Arroyo got traded like midway through the season because, you know, the season he had before, uh, where he was scoring a lot, scoring bunches, he did not replicate it at all in the next season. He got traded, and um, I became you know a fringe rotation player after that because that's probably what Arroyo was. He was never really a starter. Like, well, and, I, and that's the thing about that team is. You look at the beyond the top five or six players, and they were like fringe NBA, fringe G League types. I mean, they just the I mean, like Chris Humphreys, his most notable accomplishment was marrying Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian. Yeah. Chris Humphreys like was, uh, was one of the Jazz's lottery picks. The Jazz had yes. a, you know, a a late lottery pick. Uh, and they took a chance on a freshman from Minnesota. Um, why, and I don't know. Maybe they thought they needed to have another big, you know, strong. Uh, this because the draft happens before free agency, so they didn't know they were going to get Carlos Boozer. And so, um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> he, he ended up in the and then on the Nets somehow. I can't remember. Yeah, the Jazz. Yeah, well, that was during the Kim Kardashian uh, marriage era. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Chris was it? But he just wasn't ready to play in the NBA, and with the Boozer injury, he was he was thrust into it. But even as a lottery pick, like I don't know, like he just didn't seem to have the ceiling that um, uh, you'd want. Kirk Snyder was the guy that fell, that played at Nevada. Jazz took him, I want to say, sixteen that year. Uh, a guy that was thought to be top ten. Another guy that just didn't pan out. I, I really like Snyder. I watched him uh, in the WAC play Utah State. But oh, and, man, just... and when you talk about Kirk Snyder falling, I mean, it, it, like his post NBA story was kind of just sad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he ended up going to jail, serving prison time for for breaking oh, and ro- armed robbery. And it was like mentally, he was not ready to make that leap. You know, he he was uh, like he, he was a guy that, type stuff. Uh, he he was a guy that went from being the big fish in uh, in Nevada. Uh, UNR came to the NBA and just didn't, you know, you got to have a certain mental toughness that like when I see Donovan Mitchell, I see he has that like for being how young he is, you see, he has it. You see, he yeah. Has, yeah. You know, and sometimes yeah. had that, Rudy, that Rudy was kind of the same way. Yeah. You, you just don't have it, you know, and that team, it was disappointing because like, you know, it was one of those, this is the first like real, like in the past 20 years at that point, the first like, Jerry Stone team that really failed. That really, you know, it, that, that the team was second to last in the in the um, uh, in the West. Um, but and, and they snapped a 19 year streak of winning seasons. Yeah, of winning seasons. Like it just, it was hard. It was hard for Jazz fans to, to swallow. Um, you know, Jazz fans were just praying they can get a point guard. And it, look, hey, hey, got it got better. It didn't get better right away, but. I mean, God, the Jazz, the Jazz didn't even have the number three pick in them that draft, the next draft. The Jazz traded up. Portland somehow. Yeah, what was somehow, the pick that they had before? The Jazz had yeah, number six and number, I want to say, 27 or something. You know, oh, okay. they had the sixth pick and they had somebody else's pick um, uh, late, late in the in the draft. Yeah. Like, so you they packaged those two to move up or did they have to yeah. add in another? Pick? No, they packaged those they're just those two picks. That's all oh, costs. That's pretty that's pretty yeah. awesome. Andrew Bogut went number one, Marvin Williams went number two because uh, Marvin Williams had that 
had that um, uh, <laughs> the mystique of like, hey, this guy was another starter, but man, this guy has the physical tool. So he went second, and the Jazz yeah. had their choice the, between Chris Paul and Darren Williams. Like th- there was a lot of talk that Raymond Felton was going to be the pick for the Jazz, and somehow the Jazz Thank got Darren goodness, Williams. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so again, it's one of those like, I mean. The Jazz, when they have been bad, it hasn't been like, you know, I mean, look at the Knicks, how bad they were for a while. The Nets, you know, the Jazz had a couple bad years, but got one draft pick and they turned it around. And that was during the KOC era, who, 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 during KOC's years, man, like draft time was not fun because of all the picks (laughs) that he, like I saw his misses, like, oh man, you missed on this, you whiffed. On this pick, Chris Humphreys and Kirk Snyder, you whiffed on both those picks, you know. So he hit on the Darren pick at least. Yeah, I mean, it's just thank God, thank God for the Blazers that 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 trade because <laughs> oh man, yeah, uh, who would we have got at six that year? The I mean, I, I, Raymond Felton was uh, was a real choice because he was Ooh. the third best point guard. He was the third best Ooh. point guard in that draft. Uh, Darren was ranked second on a lot of big boards, but. Uh, he had a great workout with the Jazz. He had a bigger body, and you know, again, they we take him about, over Chris Paul. Yeah, we talk about Darren's peak. You know, the the peak years, Darren had a legit claim to being the best, the better point guard for around two years. So, well, on and head to head, they he always for some reason he always owned Chris. And I think it's because he's bigger. Probably. Bigger, and yeah, yeah, he, he, he had a he, he was a competitive guy. He had fire, like he he oh, heard yeah. the talk. But you know, because Chris Paul got to the All Star game first, but they got to the playoffs at the same time. Darren got first, but Chris Paul got way more accolades than Darren ever got. So, uh, Chris Paul was Mr. First Round Exit for forever. <laughs> so, uh, so Darren, uh, this was not during your dark time, right? You watched this old four or five jazz team, right? Uh, not religiously, because I was no. I lived in uh, Sacramento. Yeah, I got so, you. Got you. But, All right. Yeah. I mean, this was before uh, League Pass existed, so yeah. I mean, it is, it is what it is. Like, yeah, like we we talked about, you know, uh, John talked about how this Jazz team was that Carolina team the year before feels more memorable to me. Like, I feel like I saw more of their games than this team. Which like, is this team? Is, yeah, like I I don't know. How I don't know. Happened. I don't know what it was. I I, mean, I don't know. Some that, random TNT games. That was what I was subsisting on TNT games and, and news clippings and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, uh, so uh, the Carlos choice is always fun for Jazz fans too because like again we we uh, John talked about it. Carlos Boozer came. People were so excited because like oh my god this guy was somebody on the rise, uh, that really was on a really favorable contract. And you know the Jazz were looking for the Jazz fans are always looking for the next Carl, the next John Stockton, right? Uh, and you know maybe in ten years it'll be the next Rudy, the next Donovan Mitchell. But you know Carl's brother was going to be the next big guy. You know they, they they failed without you know they tried to get Elm Brad didn't work. They tried to get you know guys to fill in and Carl's Boozer, you know was that powerful. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say that because it feels like right now we, we're always looking for the next memo. So. Well, yeah, the memo was way ahead of his time, you know, and that sucks. But yeah, Me- memo would be thriving in today's NBA. Yeah, yeah. Like, if oh man, he would he, he would probably have league record for threes as a center or something. Well, I mean, if, if memo wasn't banging down with them, a Shaquille or or um, uh, Andrew Bynum or God, just all those big guys, he, he just, might have you know, never gotten hurt. Yeah. 
Uh, Actually, Andre Karolinko in his prime would have thrived in today's yep. NBA. Too. Yeah, like, just yeah, yeah I think so too. Do. Packs so many different spots. I mean, he would have been a perfect like small ball center. Darren would have worked. Uh, the only one that wouldn't have worked is Carlos Boozer, really. Like, if you took this team, yeah. at two, or four or five team, like a lot of them would do really well in this game, uh, except for Carlos Boozer. Uh, yeah, a, a sort of undersized <laughs> because player. because people who don't play defense get exploited in today's game. Yeah. <laughs> But Unless yeah. they can score yeah. 50 points a game and go to the foul line 30 times. Yeah, there you go. Oh. I, I'm, I, I'm looking at I'm, this. I'm not saying naming names or anything. Carl In defense of said ugly beard guy, um, he's actually improved a little bit on the defensive end. And he, he plays like Dwight Howard in the post, dog. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I gave the, the roster a, a look up down for that 0405 Jazz team. I think we hit everything. Boozer, O'Kerr, Karolinko's injury, uh Carlos Arroyo. I think so Jazz. too. Arroyo Comleche, yeah. Oh god Arroyo. Ugh. His his name. <laughs> like he's one of those jazz like him. I, I, I probably will never talk positively about Carlos Arroyo. Don't don't forget Ben Hanlogged and everybody's oh favorite thirty year old rookie. Well he was his second season, but still. <laughs> Dude, we, like, it's so funny how Austin Ben Hanlon's name comes up on this podcast. It's, it's like, I, was like, I was like, oh my god! Oh yeah, he came up like a couple weeks ago, didn't he? Yeah, it was, it was like it was like it was like a, maybe a couple months ago, but yeah, some guy. Was oh, like, it was Kirk. Yeah, Kirk he, brought him up. Yeah, I was like, I was like, that was a name I haven't heard of forever, and so yeah, it's just it's so funny how often. And hey, Ben, if you're listening, come on the pod. All right. Yeah. Well, John, um, uh, so yeah, so we talked about your writing. So you you wrote a short story, like. How long have you been working on um, uh, In Hell's Shadow? You know, so in one form or another, I actually, I've been working on the story for many years. I actually, so a funny story. I originally wrote in the, the original draft of, of In Hell's Shadow when I was on a, serving an LDS mission. And the uh, what it, what happened is, I got in a car accident oh, about oh. a year into my mission in, in, uh, in Houston. And uh, the car got told, and I wasn't allowed to, to bike because of a health, health issue. And so I was on foot for like two weeks. And being on foot, you basically had to, you know, in, in downtown you know, urban Houston isn't a good thing. Well, so, I mean, one, once it got to dinner or after dinner time, we were basically heading back to the apartment and locking up. And so I, I didn't have a lot to do in the evenings. And so I started writing a story about a girl that gets in a car accident. And I, I set it aside and I've been tinkering with it for years. And I, I finally decided you know, once we had to shut down with the coronavirus to kind of polish it up, finish it up and uh, publish it, you know, just to, to give give people some, something to read, something yeah, to that's, do. Yeah, well, there you go. That's, that's, that's pretty Question awesome. Like, for I, you. As an amateur writer myself, how do you ever decide when something's polished enough for release? Because I, I always feel like, like, when I was writing for school and stuff, I always felt like I was I was editing it until like I had to turn it in. 
Oh well, God, you, was... you can run into that trap as a, as an author too. Honestly, the the biggest key is to get uh, what are called beta readers, and that's yeah, just have somebody else sense. read over it and and kind of give you feedback on like plot and character development, and let you know what what they're kind of seeing and what works for them, what doesn't work. And it sense. gives you an idea of, of where to go with it. And then and once you've done that and, and, and had it professionally edited, then at that point it's like just throw it out there, get it published, and let's gotcha. see where it goes. Yeah, I have to I have to start working on my uh I had a I had a story I was working on for a while and then I think I was saved on a hard drive that might have crashed, but I could probably recall key points and you know rebuild it uh well and, and you know i actually need to get back to funny that you mentioned that because i actually you know when i'm working on these novels usually mm-hmm. during wall balancing covering the jazz and college sports and everything i have to do like extensive like outlining you know character biographies things like that so that mm-hmm. when, when i do have all the sports assignments i don't lose the story it's oh, that makes a lot of sense. There, so I can pick up where I left off. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I never, because I never that, really thought otherwise, about that. there's no way I could do this. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> so time-consuming, you know, just doing like the jazz and BYU and University of Utah. That sure. It, it it would just kind of derail any story if I tried to just write it stream of consciousness or make yeah. it up as I go along. I've got to say that like self-isolation for most people has, has not gone. Anyway, I mean, it's, it's bad. None of us really want to be, none of us really wants to be self-isolated for as long as we have or will be in the future here. But I mean, again, like I said, you know, I've done some creative stuff. John, John Kuhn, you know, is, is, you know, writing and then doing the stuff. Um, self-isolation has helped in that way. Are you doing anything else to self-isolation or just writing or like, what are you trying to do to, to get through this time here? Um, get, I get out and exercise, like go for walks and hikes when I can. Uh, but I've been, you know, splitting time be actually between Sandy and Camas because my 81 year old dad lives in Camas since I help him with things and help take care of things with him. And then, like like I mentioned earlier, I've been writing a lot. I've I've actually got my third novel on the way later this summer. Uh, it's going to be a sci-fi novel. Real, really Ooh, excited about this one. I do love sci-fi. <laughs> it's um, it's uh, well, actually set in the same uni- fictional universe as my uh, second novel, Under a Fallen Sun. Oh, you're, you're so doing the Steve- if you haven't read Under a Fallen Sun, I'd recommend getting to that this spring or summer. And you're doing the gotcha. uh, next book. And, you're doing and Pandora Reborn is a standalone, right? Yeah, Pandora Reborn is a separate fictional universe. Um, okay. So one of the cool things that I, that I do is, you know, I, I, I write mostly either sci-fi or horror. And all of my horror ideas are set in, the same, in, a, in a specific fictional universe. And then all mm-hmm. my sci-fi ideas are set in another universe. Gotcha. And, the, and they have kind of like these connecting threads either indirect or direct mm-hmm. through every single story. Gotcha. And it's, it's kind of like 
the uh, literary equivalent of like the Marvel c- Cinematic Universe approach. Right. Well, I was saying Stephen King because Stephen King has like three different universes and like his. Stephen King's a perfect yeah, example. Like Everything his... in the Stephen King's fictional universes connects to the Dark Tower. Yeah. So yeah. So there you go. So anyway, uh, r- really fun. Um, I'm glad that self-isolation um uh, has helped you uh be creative like i'm gonna uh, do that stuff and you know i really hope that we can get sports going and stuff it sucks that you know you're probably not gonna be covering any more high school sports or anything for the spring at least <laughs> I, I know i won't be um, well uh, I, I haven't done high school sports oh right right so yeah, I'm right. Used yeah. To it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you, you might get pro sports back we'll see um uh, do you have any ideas on how sport pro sports can start to get back like anything crazy or you know even you know the, the the fact that they're talking that that they and and it's disappointing from from a fan or perspective and and I get it but it it does make sense from a human perspective I mean they're basically talking delaying this the stuff till 2021 if things happen in 2020 it's without fans. And, and the and and people are saying, oh well, we we can't shut everything down that long. But it, it's the idea that even though the numbers have dropped in terms of like coronavirus cases, deaths, and, and what have you, it wouldn't take much to uh, get a second wave going. Right, right, and so yeah, and, and, and the last thing you need is go fill a stadium with fifty thousand fans. And have one or two of them have the coronavirus. Yeah, I think um, uh, yeah. I think the what people forgot about the flattening the curve is, is that so now the now that the curve is getting there flattened, it does go for a little bit longer, and so yeah, it is, and it is what it is. Like people, like, I'll tell you right now, if we had sports without audiences. People are will turn in. You know, people are starved for content right now. Oh yeah, people but are going to watch it. Even in that situation, the 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 one hangup that the people aren't accounting for is that there's so much more t- to a sporting event than just the coaches and, and athletes. Oh yeah, uh, the, and you know, officials. The, 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 I mean, you've got like the crew that runs the stadium. You've got the journalists. Yeah. You've got the P, you know, various team officials for both teams. Well, you uh, I mean, heard, you're uh, still talking dozens and you dozens. Haven't heard, of, uh, you haven't heard Jared Barker's idea. It's like, I'm uh, just to wrap everybody in bubbles. <laughs> like, officially. Yeah, you've seen bubble the movie. Remember exactly. Bubble Boy? Yes, yep, exactly. What, yep. That is exact concept. That's what the exact concept. Everybody in their own separate bubble pods and let them, and let them play. So that's, you know, hey, we're, we're heading that way, so. And, and, see, and when you have though. have them hit at the line of scrimmage in their bubble pods, yeah. you're gonna have a couple ejected up into the nosebleed section of the stadium. Yeah, dude, that'd be that'd be that'd be freaking wild. Yeah, it wouldn't work for football. I don't think. Hey, it was my de- that was my idea for the NBA. We we are starved for content, and um, uh, like I uh, I'll raise it real quick because we're, we're gonna do some special episodes, but me and thirty five other. Uh, 35 other ja- or NBA fans and I got together. We drafted NBA 2K teams, and uh, now uh, McCade and Riley are running NBA 2K simulations to see how we're doing. And they're putting on Twitch, and like, 
you know, people are watching. Um, and, and it's mostly people that are in the league. Are, but I'm like, you guys are still watching. It's crazy watching computerized men play basketball. But, hey, yeah. it's where we are. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> at that point, I'm like, we don't watch anything, I think. So we're watching We're watching people play horse on Skype. So, <laughs> oh, oh, dude, can we talk about how awful the video quality was in that? It's like, oh, my God, Rudy's Instagram Live had better video quality than... <laughs> it goes to show to you like how how important like i mean instagram live looks great on twitter right but yeah. to produce it on hd to go to you know these 84 inch screens no i, I watched but i watched it on the same device like i wa- put it on put, put it's also, on the same device and the, 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 the quality the was still that uh i remember about the whole the horse competition is uh, when Mike Conley was do- shooting his shots, and when he he <laughs> won the one round that I watched, I, I see these snarky tweets after saying, "Oh, I wish you shot like that in an actual game." Yeah, and it's I'm like, like well, he's not yeah, being guarded by anyone. Shot when nobody's <laughs> guarding them, and they're in an empty. That's court. what I was thinking. I'm like, he's wide open on all these shots, yeah, guys. That's <laughs> like everybody thinks that NBA players can't do. Like, uh, there's a story that Greg Ultratag used to be able to drain threes all day long in warmups because. You know, these are NBA players. Like these are players who do who do this for a Tony, living. Tony Bradley can drain them like crazy yeah. in warmups. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. In, in but you, you don't hand Tony Bradley to the ball on the perimeter and expect him to shoot in an actual game that matters. We do have to make give credit to the five guys on the wearing the other colored jerseys that are trying to get people not to make those shots. So you know, it's crazy. So. But yeah, well, you know what? Um, uh, be sure to tune in to Jared and I um, uh, doing our own horse competition. It's going to be way less entertaining, <laughs> but maybe better video. <laughs> Dude, that you might have to drop a couple letters on that. To, I know, to yeah, like we'll, we'll have to play home. Drag on too long. <laughs> we'll yeah, that's home. what I figured. It's going to last for hours if we had to do horse. Like, yeah. what are you doing? A free throw? We're just trying to make a free throw. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just one free throw, please. Yeah. All right, John. Look, no, thanks I'm doing an offhand lay- layup behind the back. <laughs> it's right, yeah. It's an air, it's an air ball. Um, <laughs> yeah. John, thanks for coming on. Um, uh, get get riding. Get you know you know stay sane. Um, uh, hopefully, um, uh, hopefully, um, uh, something starts soon that you get to write about. Um, uh, we'll see you again. Go to at John Coon Sports. Um, uh, we will try our best to tweet out his Amazon link. Uh, to get his short story on Amazon. Is it on Kindle or is it paperback or? Yeah, it's it's exclusive to Kindle. I mean, it's like oh. if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free, actually. And if yeah, you don't, you can buy it for ninety nine cents. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, folks, that's a good price, folks. Guess what? You had twelve hundred dollars in your bank account. You know what? If you have ninety nine cents, go buy his. Go buy it. Stimulate his economy. Do it. Yes, <laughs> yes, please. Thank it's you. Let's check. All right. All right, folks. I'm, uh, thanks hey, for joining hey, us. I can sure go for 1,200 tacos right now. Yeah, 1,200. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, well, I find the numbers a little bit on that one. last little bit for the book. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, well, I was just, you know, eat. I was doing, I was just, I just saw somebody meme that, you know, when, when Bart's looking at that hundred tacos for a hundred dollars. Oh, yeah, yeah. Change it to 1200 <laughs> That meme was incredible. Uh, you need, if, you, if you're going to read a short story, you need sustenance. So go get the tacos and this book with your 1200 Exactly. <laughs>
Uh, Jared, good job. That actually, that, that one was a, not a stretch. Your Simpsons joke. Good job. Yeah, I know. That one worked. That one worked perfectly. Uh, uh, last episode, uh, I muffed it pretty bad. <laughs> it was, you know, you try to get there. You know what? You, you miss a yeah. shot you don't take, so. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, folks. Um, uh, thanks for joining us. And um, uh, you know, we'll have more jazz content. We'll have. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna have personally some special, um, uh, Corona draft, as we call it, uh, episodes talking nerds talking about our fantasy basketball teams, basically. So, uh, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>